Section 19 of Inca Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. Inca Lands by Hiram Bingham. Chapter 11. The Search Continued. Part 1. Machu Picchu was on the borderline between the temperate zone and the tropics. Camping near the bridge of San Miguel, below the ruins, both Mr. Heller and Mr. Cook found interesting evidences of this fact in the flora and fauna. From the point of view of historical geography, Mr. Cook's most important discovery was the presence here of Wilka, a tree which does not grow in cold climates. The Quechua dictionaries tell us that Wilka is a medicine, a purgative. An infusion made from the seeds of the tree is used as an enema. I am indebted to Mr. Cook for calling my attention to two articles by Mr. W. E. Safford, in which it is also shown that from seeds of the Wilka a powder is prepared, sometimes called cohoba. This powder, says Mr. Safford, is an narcotic snuff, inhaled through the nostrils by means of a bifurcated tube. All writers unite in declaring that it induced a kind of intoxication or hypnotic state accompanied by visions which were regarded by the natives as supernatural while under its influence the necromancers or priests were supposed to hold communication with unseen powers and their incoherent mutterings were regarded as prophecies or revelations of hidden things in treating the sick the physicians make use of it to discover the cause of the malady or the person or spirit by whom the patient was bewitched mr safford quotes las casas as saying it was an interesting spectacle to witness how they took it and what they spake the chief began the ceremony and while he was engaged all remained silent when he had snuffed up the powder through his nostrils he remained silent for a while with his head inclined to one side and his arms placed on his knees then he raised his face heavenward uttering certain words which must have been his prayer to the true god or to him whom he held as god after which all responded almost as we do when we say amen and this they did with a loud voice or sound then they gave thanks and said to him certain complimentary things entreating his benevolence and begging him to reveal to them what he had seen he described to them his vision saying that the simi or spirit had spoken to him and had predicted good times or the contrary or that children were to be born or to die or that there was to be some dispute with their neighbors and other things which might come to his imagination all disturbed with that intoxication clearly from the point of view of priests and soothsayers the place where wilka was first found and used in their incantations would be important it is not strange to find therefore that the inca name of this river was wilka mayu the wilka river the pampa on this river where the trees grew would likely receive the name wilka pampa if it became an important city, the surrounding region might be named Wilcapampa after it. This seems to me the most probable origin of the name of the province. Anyhow, it is worth noting the fact that denizens of Cusco and Ollantaytambo, coming down the river in search of this highly prized narcotic, must have found the first trees not far from Machu Picchu. Leaving the ruins of Machu Picchu for later investigation, we now push down the Orobamba Valley crossed the bridge of san miguel past the house of senor lizarraga 
first of the modern Peruvians, to write his name on the granite walls of Machu Picchu, and came to the sugar cane fields of Huadquina. We now had left the temperate zone and entered the tropics. At Huadquina we were so fortunate as to find the proprietress of the plantation, Senora Carmen Vargas, and her children were spending the season here. During the rainy winter months they live in Cusco, but when summer brings fine weather they come to Huadquina to enjoy the free and easy life of the country. They made us welcome, not only with that hospitality to passing travelers, which is common to sugar estates all over the world, but gave us real assistance in our explorations. Senora Carmen's estate covers more than 200 square miles. Huadquina is a splendid example of the ancient patriarchal system. The Indians who come from other parts of Peru who work on the plantation enjoy perquisites and wages unknown elsewhere. Those whose home is on this state regard Senora Carmen with an affectionate reverence, which she well deserves. All are welcome to bring her their troubles. The system goes back to the days when the spiritual, moral, and material welfare of the Indians was entrusted and encomienda to the lords of the repartimento, or allotted territory. Huadquina once belonged to the Jesuits. They planted the first sugar cane and established the mill. After their expulsion from the Spanish colonies at the end of the 18th century, Huadquina was bought by Peruvian. It was first described in geographical literature by the Comte de Sartige, who stayed there for several weeks. In 1834, when on his way to Choquiquirau, he says that the owner of Huadquina is perhaps the only landed proprietor in the entire world possesses on his estates all the products of the four parts of the globe. In the different regions of his domain, he has wool, hides, horsehair, potatoes, wheat, corn, sugar, coffee, chocolate, coca, many mines of silver bearing lead, and places of gold, truly a royal principality. Incidentally, it is interesting to note that although Sartige was an enthusiastic explorer, eager to visit the undescribed Inca ruins, he makes no mention whatever of Machu Picchu, yet from Huadquina one can reach Machu Picchu on foot in half a day without crossing the Urubamba River. Apparently the ruins were unknown to his hosts in 1834. They were equally unknown to our kind hosts in 1911. They scarcely believed the story I told them of the beauty and extent of the Inca edifices. When my photographs were developed, however, and they saw with their own eyes the marvelous stonework of the principal temples, Senora Carmen and her family were struck dumb with wonder and astonishment. They could not understand how it was possible that they should have passed so close to Machu Picchu every year of their lives since the river road was opened without knowing what was there. They had seen a single little building on the crest of the ridge, but supposed that it was an isolated tower of no great interest or importance. Their neighbor, Lizarga, near the bridge of San Miguel, had reported the presence of the ruins which he first visited in 1904, but like our friends in Cusco, they had paid little attention to his stories. We were soon to have a demonstration of the causes of such skepticism. Our new friends read with interest my copy of those paragraphs of Calancha's Chronicle, which referred to the location of the last Inca capital. Learning that we were anxious to discover Huiticos, a place of which they had never heard, they ordered the most intelligent tenants on the estate to come in and be questioned. The best informed of all was a sturdy mitzitzo, a trusted foreman who said that in a little valley called Cucumayu, a few hours' journey down the Urubamba, there were important ruins which had been seen by some of Senor Carmen's Indians. Even more interesting and thrilling was the statement that, on a ridge up the Sulcantai Valley, 
was a place called Yurak Rumi. Yurak meaning white, Rumi meaning stone. There were some very interesting ruins that had been found by his workmen when cutting trees for firewood. We all became excited over this, for among the paragraphs which I had copied from Calanche's Chronicle was the statement that close to Winticos is the white stone of the aforesaid house of the sun, which is called Yurak Rumi. Our host assured us that this must be the place, since no one hereabouts had ever heard of any other Yurak Rumi. The foreman on, being closely questioned, said that he had seen the ruins once or twice, that he had also been up the Urubamba Valley, and had seen the great ruins at Oyantantambo, and that those which he had seen at Yurak Rumi were as good as those at Oyantantambo. Here was some definite statement made by an eyewitness. Apparently, we were about to see that interesting rock where the last Incas worshipped. However, the foreman said that the trail thither was at present impassable, although a small gang of Indians could open it in less than a week. Our hosts, excited by the pictures we had shown them of Machu Picchu, and now believing that even finer ruins might be found on their own property, immediately gave orders to have the path to the Urakumi cleared for our benefit. While this was being done, Signora Carmen's son, the manager of the plantation, offered to accompany us himself to a Cocumayo, where other important ruins had been found which could be reached in a few hours without cutting any new trails. Acting on his assurance that we should not need tents or cots, we left our camping outfit behind and followed him to a small valley on the south side of the Urubamba. We found Cucumayu to consist of two huts in a small clearing. Densely wooded slopes rose on all sides. The manager requested two of the Indian tenants to act as guides. With them we plunged into the thick jungle and spent a long and fatiguing day searching in vain for ruins. That night the manager returned to Huadquina but Professor Foote and I prepared to remain in Cumayo and prosecute a more vigorous search on the next day. We shared a little thatched hut with our Indian host and a score of fat coyis, guinea pigs, the chief source of the Cumayo meat supply. The hut was built of rough wattles which admitted plenty of fresh air and gave us comfortable ventilation. Primitive little sleeping platforms, also of wattles, constructed for the needs of short, stocky Indians, kept us from being overrun by inquisitive coyis but could hardly be called as comfortable as our own folding cots, which we had left of Huadquina. The next day our guides were able to point out in the woods a few piles of stones, the foundations of oval or circular huts, which probably were built by some primitive savage tribe in prehistoric times. Nothing further could be found here of ruins, important or otherwise, although we spent three days at Mayu. Such was our first disillusionment. On our return to Huadquina, we learned that the trail to Yurukurumi would be ready in a day or two. In the meantime, our hosts became much interested in Professor Foote's collection of insects. They brought an unnamed scorpion and informed us that an orange orchard, surrounded by high walls in a secluded place back of the house, was a great place for spiders. We found that their statement was not exaggerated and immediately engaged in an enthusiastic spider hunt. When these Woodkenia spiders were studied at the Harvard Museum of Comparative Zoology, Dr. Chamberlain found among them the representatives of four new genera and nineteen species, hitherto unknown to science. As a reward of merit, he gave Professor Foote's name to the scorpion. Finally, the trail to Urakrumi was reported finished. It was with feelings of keen anticipation that I started out with the foreman to see those ruins which he had just revisited and now declared were better than those at Ollantaytambo. It was to be presumed that in the pride of discovery he might have exaggerated their importance. Still, it never entered my head what I was actually to find. After several hours spent in cleaning away the dense forest grove which surrounded the walls, 
I learned that this Yurak Rumi consisted of the ruins of a single little rectangular Inca storehouse. No effort had been made at beauty of construction. The walls were of rough, unfashioned stones laid in clay. The building was without a doorway, although it had several small windows and a series of ventilating shafts under the house. The lintels of the windows and of the small apertures leading into the subterranean shafts were of stone. There were no windows on the sunny north side nor on the ends, but there were four on the south side through which it would have been possible to secure access to the stores of maize, potatoes, or other provisions placed there for safekeeping. It will be recalled that the Incas maintained an extensive system of public storehouses, not only in the centers of population, but also at strategic points on the principal trails. Yurakurumi was at the top of the ridge between the Salkantai and the Huayquina valleys, probably on an ancient road which crossed the province of Wilcapampa. As such, it was interesting, but to compare it with Ollantay Tambo, as the foreman had done, was to liken a cottage to a palace or a mouse to an elephant. It seemed incredible that anybody actually having seen both places could have thought for a moment that one was as good as the other. To be sure, the foreman was not a trained observer, and his interest in Inca buildings was probably of the slightest. Yet the ruins of Ollantaytambo were so well known and so impressive that even the most casual traveler is struck by them, and the natives themselves are enormously proud of them. The real cause of the foreman's inaccuracy was probably his desire to please. To give an answer which will satisfy the questioner is a common trait in Peru, as well as in many other parts of the world. Anyhow, the lessons of the past few days were not lost on us. We now understood the skepticism which prevailed regarding Lizaranga's discoveries. It is small wonder that the occasional stories about Machu Picchu, which had drifted into Cusco, had never elicited any enthusiasm, nor even provoked investigation on the part of those professors and students in the University of Cusco who were interested in visiting the remains of Inca civilization. They knew only too well the fondness of their countrymen for exaggeration and their inability to report facts accurately. Obviously, we had not yet found Uiticos. So bidding farewell to Signora Carmen, we crossed the Urubamba on the bridge of Copani and proceeded down the valley past the mouth of the Lucumayo and the road from Panticala to the hamlet of Chauyai, where the Urubamba is joined by the Vilcabamba River. Both rivers are restricted here to narrow gorges through which their waters rush and roar on their way to the lower valley. A few rods from Chaoyai was a fine bridge. The natives called it the Chukichaka. Steel and iron have suspended the old suspension bridge of huge cables made of vegetable fiber, with its narrow roadway of wattles supported by a network of vines. Yet here it was that in 1572, the military force set by the viceroy Francesco de Toledo under the command of general martin hurtado and captain garcia found the forces of the young inca drawn up to defend huiticos it will be remembered that after a brief preliminary fire the forces of tupac Amaru were routed without having destroyed the bridge and thus captain garcia was enabled to accomplish that which had proved too much for the famous gonzalo pizarro our inspection of the surroundings showed that captain garcia's companion baltazar del campo was correct when he said that the occupation of the bridge of chuquichaca was a measure of no small importance for the royal force it certainly would have caused the spaniards great trouble if they had had to rebuild it we might now have proceeded to follow garcia's tracks up the vilcabamba 
had we not been anxious to see the proprietor of the plantation of santa ana don pedro duque reported to be the wisest and ablest man in this whole province we felt that he would be able to offer us advice of prime importance in our search so leaving the bridge of chuquichaca we continued down the urubamba river which here meanders through a broad fertile valley green with tropical plantations we passed groves of bananas and oranges waving fields of green sugar-cane the hospitable dwellings of prosperous planters and the huts of indians fortunate enough to dwell in this tropical garden of eden the day was hot and thirst-provoking so i stopped near some large orange trees loaded with ripe fruit and asked the indian proprietress to sell me ten cents worth in exchange for the tiny silver reel she dragged out a sack containing more than fifty oranges i was fain to request her to permit us to take only as many as our pockets could hold but she seemed so surprised and pained that we had to fill our saddlebags as well at the end of the day we crossed the urubamba river on a fine steel bridge and found ourselves in the prosperous little town of Cuyabamba, provincial capital its main street was lined with well-filled shops evidence of the fact that this was one of the principal gateways to the peruvian rubber country which with the high price of rubber then prevailing nineteen eleven was the scene of unusual activity passing through cuyabamba and up a slight hill beyond it we came to the long colonnades of the celebrated sugar estate of santa ana founded by the jesuits where all explorers who have passed this way since the days of charles Wiener have been entertained he says that he was received here with a thousand signs of friendship we were received the same way even in a region where we had repeatedly received valuable assistance from government officials and generous hospitalities from private individuals our reception at santa ana stands out as particularly delightful don pedro duque took great interest in enabling us to get all possible information about the little-known region into which we proposed to penetrate born in colombia but long resident in peru he was a gentleman of the old school keenly interested not only in the administration and economic progress of his plantation but also the intellectual movements of the outside world he entered in zest into our historical geographical studies the name Coast was new to him but after reading over with us our extracts from the spanish chronicles he was sure that he could help us find it and help us he did santa ana was less than thirteen degrees south of the equator the elevation is barely two thousand feet and the winter nights are cool but the heat in the middle of the day is intense nevertheless our host was so energetic that as a result of his effort a number of the best informed residents were brought to the conferences at the great plantation house they told him all they knew of the towns and valleys where the last four incas had found a refuge but that was not much they all agreed that if only senor lopez torres were alive he could have been of great service to us as he had prospected for mines and rubber in those parts more than any one else and had once seen some inca ruins in the forest of Huiticos, the chuqui papa and most of the places mentioned in the chronicles none of don pedro's friends had heard it was all rather discouraging until one day by the greatest good fortune there arrived in santa ana another friend of don pedro's the tiente gubernator of the village of lucma in the valley of vilcabamba a crusty old feather named evaristo mogorvejo his brother pio mogorvejo had been a member of the party of energetic peruvians who in eighteen eighty four had searched for buried treasure at choquiquiral and had left their names on its walls evaristo mogorvejo could understand searching for buried treasure but he was totally unable otherwise to comprehend our desire to find the ruins of the places mentioned by father calancha 
and the contemporaries of Pepe Garcia. Had we met Mogro Vejo in Lucma, he would undoubtedly have received us with suspicion and done nothing to further our quest. Fortunately for us, his official superior was a sub-perfect of the province of Convencion, lived at Cuyabamba near Santa Ana, and was a friend of Don Pedro's. The sub-perfect had received orders from his own official superior, the perfect of Cusco, to take a personal interest in our undertaking, and accordingly gave particular orders to Mogrovejo to see to it that we were given every facility for finding the ancient ruins and identifying the places of historic interest. Although Mogrovejo declined to risk his skin in the savage wilderness of Consuvidea, he carried out his orders faithfully and was ultimately of great assistance to us. End of section 19